This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC. I have the pleasure of having a fellow entrepreneur, Anthony Veneri, calling in from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, fit.co, fit insider. Anthony, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Great. So um, you've had a, uh, a nice entrepreneurial run here, starting back in the uh, with kettlebells. Uh, like our fellow uh, uh, cohort here, Dave Gallen from Integrity Square. Neither of you guys trademarked kettlebell to be used. So kettlebell concepts meets kettlebell cardio. Um, <laughs> you want to talk about how you started and, and started as a coach and an athlete and take us through your personal history and then we'll go from there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, started out uh, playing high school football in Western Pennsylvania where high school football started. And it was all everybody did. And it was sports and training, you know, working out in the field house every day. And, uh, it was fun, but I was, I'm five ten, not that athletic. So, uh, wasn't going to go division one. And I enlisted in the Marine Corps, uh, when I was 17. So I joined the Marines and in the Marines, I was actually lucky enough to go through their Marine Corps training program and all the fitness stuff. And I ended up getting set up where I was training other Marines to go overseas for fitness. So, um, I was young in shape and, and knew what I was doing. So doing that kind of started my passion for fitness and training other people got the best experience in the world doing that. And then, uh, my dad actually was diagnosed with, um, terminal cancer when I was 19. And, um, that made me kind of change my career path. I wanted to do 20 years in the Marines, but, uh, with him being sick, I came home after my three and a half years when they let me come home and, didn't know, uh, much outside of fitness. So I opened a gym here in Pittsburgh. And then that one gym turned into, it was called hybrid athlete originally. Mm -hmm. And then the program that we started that was so popular was kettlebell cardio. Um, and it was, you know, at the time kettlebell was purely hard style snatches, clean stuff that, you know, the average person at the YMCA wasn't trying to learn, but they still wanted to, to work out and get a good thing. And with the Marines, it was all about grabbing the kettlebell squats swings, just get moving. Um, mm -hmm. so we took and transitioned those two different things and launched kettlebell cardio. So we had hybrid athlete and then we started launching kettlebell cardio and setting up, you know, what you call a certification, but like a training, uh, we trademarked the name, set up the, the almost like a CrossFit style affiliate where you could buy equipment that we manufactured our programming, our certification. And we started selling those all over mm -hmm. and ended up having 40 locations offering the programming within a few years. And you know, the business exploded, but I was 21 and didn't know how the hell to run a business. And yeah. we know we, we left. Yeah. When, when, when you started doing that and you had your one location and it sounds like you're probably doing well at that one location, you know, just, we've got a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to the podcast here that have either a product or have a program. And it's very tough to get these programs into the average health clubs, just based on the sales cycle. Uh, mm -hmm. Most of these groups actually bringing in uh, new concepts or, you know, whenever they have a good month, then they might have money to invest in a program or some new equipment. So were you, did you, was it, did you kind of follow the demand or did you kind of stop and say, Hey, you know, I'm so passionate about kettlebell cardio that I want to have as many people experience it. Cause I think a lot of people say, Hey, look, I'm doing something now. And I'm, I aspire to do something more and I'm like just following the demand, which sometimes is the right decision. Yeah, it was uh, more just a passion about people doing it. Um, we saw the success it had with, you know, the typical consumer. It was so easy and fun. And, and we were at our gym, 
I was so lucky. Our gym was an old indoor skate park that we tore down and turned into a gym. It was 12,000 square feet. Roller Insanely, skate? Like, yeah, no, um, like, Ice? uh, BMX, like bike ramps oh, and stuff. Okay. And, I missed yeah, doing was, rollerblading around Long Island. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was cool and super huge space and cheap. So we got to crush it there and kind of learn how to do it. And so from that, it was, you know, we don't want to go and own locations and sign leases. So we went the CrossFit route and we found really talented trainers and instructors and in some facilities. We had YMCA's running it. We had club, different, like the, the high-end clubs running it, things like that. But the biggest success was individuals because we, we created an all encompassing program. You come to us, we give you the stuff. It, it's, it's, you know, delivered all in one. We train you on it and we get you set up and help you do it. Mm-hmm. Great. So you did that for several years and then uh, you decided to go into media. Yeah. So we went into media content was always our thing. The reason kettlebell and hybrid went so well is my brother's a phenomenal writer. I like to get on things and talk and get in front of people. So between the two of us, we were able to create content. We were doing the Facebook, Inst- or Facebook, Twitter, then come Instagram, all that stuff early. Um, and we lo- we lived here in Pittsburgh the whole time. So we launched uh, something we called Made in Pittsburgh, but it was built off of localized content. Um, we were going to do them in every city, Made in Pittsburgh, Made in Cleveland, all these different areas. Started here in Pittsburgh and just covering what's going on locally for the younger audience and had a newsletter before everyone was doing that. And it kind of blew up and uh, the local... Well, the, the really big um, holding company that owns the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, the daily newspaper, bought that from us oh, within okay. a, about a year. And then we launched uh, Fit, same model, just about health and fitness. It was in every city. There's Eater, if you're in New York, Thrillist, Infatuation. Mm-hmm. I mean, even come somewhat Yelp. It's everywhere you want to find a burger, uh, a beer, a restaurant, it's there. But when you think about gyms, there's really no place you can find curated content or information on that. And, and we wanted to do that. We started here in Pittsburgh. It was called Fitzburg actually. Um, and that's why it's called fit now with two T's because we dropped the, this bird off it. Gotcha. So when you were doing that, uh, were you just one of these crazy entrepreneurs, like getting in your car, going and hit every club so you can experience it first there. And what you like became kind of the, you, you were the curator and the, yeah. uh, and the raider. Big time. It, it was no rating, more just like what we thought was cool. And it was uh-huh. nice because it wasn't just gyms. It was like trails and kayaking, like anything health and wellness lifestyle related. And yeah, locally, we were just writing about what we knew and, and what was cool. And same model as made in PGH. It was what's going on around us. And it took off and we signed a healthcare partner for a really big, you know, six figure plus deal for advertising. And we said, okay, well, let's do it in Cleveland. Let's do it in Boston. Nice. Um, and within our first year, we already had uh, close to a million dollars in ad revenue. Wow, that's great. And then we um, took that and said, hey, we have a business here. Didn't really know that you could raise VC money or whatever you want to call it, angel investment. It wasn't something that we knew. We didn't grow up in that space, but figured it out. And the local sports team owner himself actually invested a million dollars uh, after that first year for to help us grow. Nice. So I see this term that you guys use on your Fit Insider, which I'm going to try and persuade you to try and put under our Halo moniker, but you use high-performance lifestyle. So I was thinking maybe instead of health, active lifestyle, outdoors, on our Halo, we could give you like the high-performance and then you keep the you know, lifestyle outdoors, but maybe that's something we could talk about. But did you guys <laughs> coin that phrase? Because I like it. I've never seen it before. HPL. 
there's people that use it. There's actually a company called High Performance Lifestyle Training. Um, we used it more as a description of a category. So under Fit Insider, which is the second part of Fit, after about two years of running Fit, we decided to just share our insights because we were in the we were on the the facility side, the training, the mm-hmm. education, and then we transferred into the tech side and in the you know the, the startup community, um, raising money and building that. And they just seemed so far on different ends of the spectrum. I don't think those people really talk to each other. So. I started putting out the newsletter, which was just, Hey, here's what I think about the space. And, uh, one of the ter- coins, one of the terms that we put out recently was high performance lifestyle. It's just that like Joe Rogan, keto, intermittent fasting, DMT, you know, everyone's trying to be better at life that way. And it was a fun piece that kind of took off. Right. That's great. And then you recently took in some capital from mind body, which is not only good from a, a growth standpoint, but also just a, you know, a badge of honor, if you will, from one of the largest providers in the space putting capital into your company. So how did that, how did those discussions, uh, you know, start, evolve, you know, what kind of tips can you give to other entrepreneurs that are seeking not necessarily capital from my body, but just a strategic uh, investor, which I think is, yeah. there's going to be more and more of coming down the pike here over the next several years. Big time. And we actually, we were their first investment. They usually only buy companies. Um, and it was pure annoyance, just hit them up as much. We hit up every single person at that company and worked our way up the chain of command. We had no connections. We don't have much big of a network. Um, but you know, a marketing person to a marketing person to a VP all the way up to Josh. Um, their Carter. Yeah. Yeah, Josh McCarter. He's been on the show and is a friend of the square. So that's funny. Yeah. So got the, got the Josh. He was like, I, I, you guys get it because our fit program, our fit, you know, brand is, essentially having come from gyms, I don't like the model of discounted offerings, Groupon, Groupon Fit, Class Pass, because long-term, it never benefited us too much. So mm-hmm. with Fit, our whole thing was long-term, if we can integrate booking, we can be what Class Pass is, but without driving down the value and making it a commodity. So I uh, got that pitch to Josh and he appreciated what we were doing. So he kind of brought us along, introduced us to Rick and a few pitches later, um, them, they joined in on an investment round that we're putting together and it's been great ever since working on content. And, you know, now we're doing the API integration and, and hopefully long-term I, I want fit to be, you know, a, a partner on the consumer side, really driving consumer mm-hmm. engagement and not just people that are in the studio space, but like with our content, if you find a trail, you might also want to go to a studio. If you bike, you might also want to go spin, um, and connecting all those people to health and fitness locally. Yeah. I, you know, I went on the, your newsletter and, and, and your site, so I saw a lot of things that were outdoor-related, like you're referencing. Uh, we were on a call last week with a couple of our larger health club clients, and we were encouraging them either to put tents outside in the parking lot, have some parks that you just set up programs in and classes in the parks or, or hikes in order to alleviate some of the concern of people who think they're going to get the virus if they come inside. Uh, of a facility. So, you know, one, are you seeing any of the groups that you're in contact with, you know, try and pivot outside the four walls, not just the home digital, but just be even more creative. And then secondly, what kind of advice are you giving to some of the operators that you are probably on speed dial as almost a entrepreneurial therapist during this (laughs) period of time? And, you know, what are some of the, the silver linings that you're giving people or some of the Silver bullets, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've written a ton about this recently, and um, it's kind of funny. 
the the successful, you know, thoughtful marketers and entrepreneurs that own studios, we're already doing this. Yoga in the park, run groups, meetups, boot camps. That was customer acquisition. Now they're doing it to run their business. And the ones that were already doing it are killing it. You know, on, in Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Minneapolis, Boston, there's pop-up yogas here. There's run groups here. People are doing it already. And the, the, the group that is missing out the most is the big chains, the big box gyms, um, because... Uh, you know, they have the equipment and they just weren't as engaged and as small in, in talking to their members. So we're seeing everyone do it. And I think it's going to be the next big wave. Um, Camp Gladiator is a prime example of a killer business that makes a ton of money running outdoor activities. So for us, trying to be a resource to connect people to that, but also I think that it's going to be something that carries us in between these waves. If it comes around again, whatever, especially if there's warmer climates. Um, I think outdoor workouts is a way to, to bring in revenue, but also keep the relationship because the real thing that matters is the accountability and the relationship that these people have, not the tech. Yes, I can buy a Peloton, but I love my instructor. I love my coach. Sure. We still have people when we had a gym you know, 10 years ago that get Christmas cards from because it, you build like a, a, a family almost, a relationship. So more important than the revenue short term is, is don't lose track of that and show that you're committed and you care and you want to be helpful. And beyond that, between that and remote coaching and training and just, you know, management of the clients, I think there's a ton of opportunity for these studios, gyms, and trainers to really build a business. Yeah. So talking about marketing, Dave uh, Gannel and I were on the, uh, on a podcast a couple of weeks ago with a friend of ours, got Matt Richter and, um, you know, he was deconditioned and, you know, we were saying, hey, would you go into a health club? And he's like, no, you know, they don't speak my language. They don't, they're trying to get me to come in there and set a goal that I know that I personally will never achieve. And I, we said, you know, hey, wh what do you need? <laughs> what would work with you? He's like, just make it fun. Like I go play tennis. Why? Because it's fun. You know, yeah. so as you talk to some of your entrepreneurs that are, you know, have clubs and studios and thinking about their pricing model or their promotion. I feel like a number of groups have forgotten that people are trying to get community, trying to get entertainment, trying to get fit, trying to meet people. And it's not much more complicated than that. Yeah. And if you see now uh, the, the evolution of fitness, especially with like boutiques and studios and coaches, it used to be like men's health, take your shirt off, be jacked. It's not that anymore. It's more about community. It's like the social hour. It's what people do to get out and enjoy themselves, but also do it in a healthy way. So yeah, you got to make it fun, entertaining, and just understand what's going on in the world and just be there for the people and, and be what you are, which is more than just you know pushing them fitness-wise. It's, it's the accountability engagement that's going to last long-term. And have you seen a lot of trainers? Yeah, I've seen a lot of trainers go on to Instagram doing their own Zoom you know, not necessarily doing it with inside the club or inside of the studio. So do you see any kind of cosmic shift or leverage maybe that goes towards the individual content provider going forward versus, you know, now that there's been this need to go digital, I think people are starting to actually do it well. The first mm -hmm. couple of weeks of COVID were like some pretty shitty like camera angles on like a Zoom workout that everybody you know, had their microphones on. It was, it was chaos. But now I think a lot of groups and a lot of people have really figured out and gotten into a groove. So what, what are your thoughts on that going forward? Yeah. Um, 
it's funny. We just did again, a piece on this in the newsletter, uh, the, the, the content provider on the fitness side, the, the studios are losing that strength, the strangle hold that they had on the space. It's the, it's the trainers that are, are really running the coaches, the instructors, because they were the reason people came. It was the talent. It was the excitement. It wasn't the studio. It was right. them. So yeah, they're, they're really standing out right now. And I think there's going to be tons of businesses that flood the market long-term to continue to help them stream, um, put out video libraries, OTT stuff like Vimeo and True Coach and Train Heroic. That entire thing is going to be a massive segment. And it's going to be on places like the studios and even Mind Body to figure out how to, to provide not just the, the software you need inside, but outside. And I know the Mind Body team's working on it and they're crushing that side, but there's just so much opportunity um, for both the studios to be almost like talent agencies and bring people under one umbrella yeah. and these studio, these creators, as well as the content creators to, to build massive businesses online, because now you can maintain that local audience you had, but also keep growing if you have the, the talent for it. Yeah. It's almost, um, you know, there've always been, I'm sure there, there are some in Pittsburgh, these gyms that just rent out space to trainers. Mm-hmm. And they don't have any members. They just charge a trainer, you know, on a per visit, or basically they charge a membership to the trainer. I wonder if that part of the segment gets a bit more attention. Whereas a health club might say, you know what, I'm kind of done trying to fight the fight on new memberships and attrition. Let me get, you know, my top 20 trainers that I can find in the area, charge them each, you know, a thousand bucks a month. And don't even touch, you know, their, their revenue stream, maybe 20 is too small, but maybe it's 50. Yeah. I think there's an opportunity for that. It's just a matter of space and what happens with the, with this, you know, regulations and distancing. And more importantly, will people feel comfortable? That's why I think outdoor is a big opportunity. I think a mixture of outdoor meetup, you know, zoom coaching, online management, it's tech. If you pay me each segment of it, you want the accountability and engagement. We want the face-to-face interaction. You want the the kind of coaching and motivation. And then you want the programming. And there's a lot of ways to do that. The thing that I feel bad for right now is the big boxes with crazy leases because you just never know how things are going to go. I mean, it could all be fine and everything goes back to normal in six months or you know, more likely comes around again or people are still concerned. And I don't know what you're going to do with that retail space. Yeah. Well, we, we were just doing a... Um a study to try and figure out who owns all these buildings and who are all these landlords. And it turns out the landlords are the REITs that are invested in by the pension and insurance companies. And it's basically polar opposite from what 20, 30 years ago, when you could go to your, you know, the, whoever owned the studio and talk to the guy and say, Hey, you know, I need three months abatement. He's like, Hey, you're a good guy, Anthony, you know, three months off and, you know, 50% rent for three months, get you back on your feet. You're dealing with these large multi-billion dollar, you know, corporations and institutions that are all trying to get a piece of that rent for a fixed income. So it's really, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. There's going to be a bloodbath that occurs and everyone's going to have to calibrate how much leverage they have because in a 30,000 square foot box, there's not five groups that are just jonesing to get into that location might be zero right now i was thinking about just taking my dj board and my bose speakers and setting it up in like a studio and people can go in there and i could be you know like on that uh compton movie and i'll just be like <laughs> ripping music videos and, and everything else maybe that's my calling um Sounds i like do agree work. 
Yeah, I think it. I mean, yeah, I got a playlist, so it's pretty good. Um, so in, in closing here, just being a, an athlete and being on a team, you know, and, and helping other people succeed, what are some of the quotes that you live by or some of the quotes that they tell? Anthony says that all the time. You got any good ones? Yeah. The number one quote, it's from my dad, and I've kind of lived by it. It's confident and clueless. It's, you know, clueless to the fact that you, you just don't know that you – failure is an option, but you're confident enough to get it done. Um, that's my entire life. I'm always running full speed. I'm not really thinking about the fact that I'll fail, you know, right. coming out of the Marines at 20, 21, signing a lease for a 12,000 square foot space. Didn't know what was going on. Didn't know how right. to, 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 to figure that part out and, and think, Oh man, all the bad options that come out of this, but I just kept running. That's the one that sticks out the most. And the other one is, um, uh, cash checks break next. That's a big flag that we have at our office on some of our personal merch for the team um yeah. you know make sure those checks are coming in make sure you're just doing what you got to do to make it work and hustle and it's the ccbn we kind of have that everywhere ccbn yeah cash checks break next <laughs> <laughs> i hear you all right man well it's great to have you on the show i'd love to uh spend some more time with you and your brother and your team hopefully we can help each other out here and help the industry and make sure everybody gets back on their feet and uh all be high performance and live a halo lifestyle. Absolutely. Yeah. I appreciate the time. Happy to chat more and hopefully get you on some of our stuff. And then if anyone wants to reach out, um, LinkedIn's the easiest way to do it or just shoot me an email. Cool. Awesome. All right, bro. Good to see you, man. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Give a shout out to my good friends at lassogear.com. L-A-S-S-O-G-E-A-R.com. I want to give you 20% off using the code Halo Talks on the best compression socks on the planet. I've been using them during the pandemic. My field goal kicking is further and stronger than it's ever been. Check out these socks. You'll love them. They got an L and an R to make it easy to put on each foot. Enjoy it. Trust me. You'll love them.